0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher.
1: I'm Peter Kafka.
0: And thanks for listening to Recode Replay. This is one of the sessions from our 2017 Code Conference.
1: We're going to let you hear it in just a second for free. You're welcome. But before we do that, we want to plug another conference.
0: Okay, fine, if you insist. I
1: must, I must. You must Um, insist. If you like this event, there's a very good chance you're going to like Code Media, 2018, February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California.
0: 2018, I can't believe it's next year. Next year, absolutely. Save the date. Peter and I will both be there, which means it's going to be a fantastic event. I've been to all of them, and I have learned things. I would actually pay for them, Peter.
1: We may charge you this year. Uh, one more time, that's Code Media 2018. It's like this event, but it's in 2018. February 12th and 13th. Go to events.recode.net for all the deets, as the kids say.
0: As the kids say. Thanks, Peter. See ya. I'm really happy to be able to introduce Andy Rubin. Andy?
1: Shave the beard. Yes, I did. And there was a... uh, I was going to post something to Twitter, ask for a crowdsource whether I should shave or not, but uh, I woke up this morning and it felt itchy, so I just shaved.
0: Well, you look like yourself to me. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I just very quickly want to start out and say some of you may have read the last column I wrote ever, uh, which was about ambient computing. And at 10.30 last night... I found out that the name of the new OS he's building is Ambient. And I just want you to know there was no collusion there.
1: Well, the Russian hackers... <laughs> that really? I, Yeah, that hacked into your brain a year ago when I started this company and named it Ambient OS. Maybe right. that's Maybe that's... Just that's, subtle influence there. Yeah.
0: So um, y- y- you all probably know that Andy uh, rolled out an announcement today about... a a new phone, a new home device, uh, and, a, and a new operating system. And that doesn't happen every day. Uh, so we're going to get to that and spend most of our session on that. But I think to frame it, we need to talk about this company that you have called Playground just for a little bit. Tell us what it is uh, so we can segue into Sure,
1: sure. Uh, so after Google, um, you know, I left Google. I, uh... you, you know he invented Android, right?
0: <laughs> you know that, right? Okay
1: uh there was a team that invented android right. it was a great idea um and and it's doing very well um which i'm happy about uh, but after that you know you do that for 10 years of your life and then you know you have 78 percent market share or something and you say to yourself what am i going to do for the next 10 years of my life am i going to fight for plus or minus 1 market share for that 10 years or am i going to do something different um, so I've, I think it's pretty much public knowledge that I spent some time with Larry and we're trying to figure out what what to do next. And we settled on robotics and a couple of other things at Google. So I stayed on for about a year and did robotics uh, until I kind of got wanderlust a little bit uh, and then ended up leaving uh, to start Playground. Um, and the uh, the interesting... Uh, thing about Playground is it's a pretty typical venture capital firm. I have LPs. Uh, some of them are in the audience today, uh, and there's a limited number, so they make they write pretty big checks. And the first fund was about three hundred million dollars. The second fund's five hundred million dollars. Um, and what we do is we invest in technology that is trying to flesh out what the next ecosystem is. And if you look at ecosystems, and especially software platform ecosystems, if you look at something like um, the PC and MS-DOS as one of those thing, ecosystems that was a software platform. And then after MS-DOS, there's like Macintosh and Windows, and they add a graphical user interface to that. Uh, each one of these cycles gets bigger and bigger. Uh, and after when you, once you have a graphical user interface, then you can do the browser, and the internet happens. Right? And once the internet happens, you want to cut the cord and take it with you, and that's mobile. So what's post-mobile? And I think everybody in the room, you know, two years ago when we started this thing, two and a half years ago, we were trying to figure out what that is. And, you know, obviously we thought it was some form of machine learning AI combination. Um, And we built a fund around that, trying to get to the next ecosystem and planting the seeds today, which are investments, obviously, that'll help us harvest uh, those opportunities in the future. Um, If you think about um, machine learning and, and how AI works the technical architecture is completely different than the way you and I are architected. You know, you and I have a brain, and we have eyes and ears that are tightly coupled to our brains, uh, as do uh, everybody in the audience, I think. Um, and uh, what's cool about that architecture is we, do, we walk around and eat calories and consume, uh, consume calories, produce energy that powers that machine, and we're relatively independent. But we have a very low bandwidth communication between us. So between you know, your brain and my brain, I can talk, you can write, I can read what you wrote. Um, but it's a lot slower than two computers can talk you know, at, at you know, fiber optic speeds. Um, so what's really interesting is about AI is the technical architecture is completely different than us. Right? What might emerge as a brain in AI could be one cloud thing, right? but the eyes and the ears are distributed. With, you know, speed of light, communication for each one of those. So, so the, the technical architecture of AI is superior in, in a lot of ways to how you and I are architected, right? So, exploring that, in making investments in things like quantum computing, uh, you know, optical uh, GPU accelerators, um, sensing devices that sense depth uh, for home security cameras. Uh, uh, things like that will be the distributed sensing that happens if this AI platform that we're talking about actually happens. Uh,
0: but we're, that's not something we're talking about next month, next well,
1: year. I mean, the whole point of making these investments, and we heard from Mark and Reed is you kind of look to the future and you kind of, have a view for how the future will look. We might be wrong, we might be right. Without. What happened to the robot stuff you are working on at Google? Well, isn't it natural? Like, if you, if you have this technical architecture, I mean, I think everybody understands that probably the first robot that, uh, that people interact with is probably a self-driving car, a real one. I mean, you could define a robot as a dishwasher. It used to be a job that I had to do after dinner, and now I can just shove all the dishes into a box, and it does it, you know, automatically. Automation in general is is... is obviously increasing productivity. Um, So when you think about just a fully autonomous thing that has the sense, plan, and act of the definition of robotics in it, self-driving cars is the one that's the most obvious. But you're still active in that. We're we're active in it, and it hasn't happened yet, right? It's it's a big promise. You know, we talked about it previously. There's a ton of investments in the space, but it's still a promise. It's amazing it It hasn't happened yet. But the...
0: But the news today that you made was about a company called Essential. That's correct. Where does Essential fit in your landscape, and is it your company as opposed to a
1: company you're funding, or what a, is it? It's a good question. Um, so Playground, the way Playground is architected is we have a venture fund, and then we have what we call a studio. And the studio is like an IDO. It's a design studio. It provides services to the companies that the venture fund invests in, and they all live in one, under one roof uh, in Palo Alto, next to Fry's Electronics in a, in a big warehouse. Um, and there's a lot of facility there. There's machine shops, electronics labs, you know, 3D printing, you know, the whole works. Um, so when we make an investment, the design studio helps those guys sweat the details of their product design. It's a very close... Hardware. This is primarily hardware stuff. Primarily hardware. 70% is, is hardware. Um, and in that architecture, you know, you have your venture capitalist hat on and you watch these you know, these pitches come through the door. People, you know, the deal flow is is such that people will present to you their plan and then you meet on Mondays or something and you decide whether you want to invest, if you like the team, if you like the product, if you like the sector, pretty standard stuff. Um, But that's pattern matching in a way, right? You're, You're trying to figure out if all those things add up equal investment. What I think a lot about is the negative pattern matching. What isn't coming through the door? What doesn't exist that we think should exist based on our knowledge of, of history in the industry. Um, so because we have the design studio, we can actually fool around with stuff that we think should exist that isn't coming through as deal flow. And if it starts looking pretty good, we'll fund it, right? So this is how Essential happened. It, hatched, it was the first company that hatched out of this uh, design studio. Uh, and, it's, uh, it's, and it's your company. It's my company. I'm the CEO. I'm also one of the managing partners at Playground uh luckily i only have to pay you know once for office space uh but it's a pretty good deal great deal and and you
0: had what a hundred million dollar deal investment deal with with SoftBank that famously fell apart deal (laughs) with that and how'd you recover sure
1: sure so uh and
0: i promise you then we're going to get into the toys, the gadgets?
1: <laughs> the, uh, so the company raised uh, two rounds of financing. Uh, the first round was uh, led by Redpoint Ventures uh, and Playground co-invested in that. Uh, that was, I think, like a $30 million round. So that got us started. So we went from like zero employees to, uh, you know, to, to a good number of employees pretty quickly with that. And the B round uh, was something that we had reached out to SoftBank. Uh, I Full disclosure, I'm a uh, technical advisor to uh, Masa's Vision Fund. We've been friends for years. SoftBank was the first investor in Danger in 1999. Danger
0: was his company before Android, yeah, for those this who is, don't know. Yeah,
1: for those who weren't born yet. Um, and uh, uh, so we've had a long time... That's when I met him, yeah. A, a, a long-time partnership with Masa, and he's a friend. Uh, so, um, so he was the first one I went to when I wanted to do this crazy big... Idea, which is creating new consumer electronics brand uh, in this day and age, which is hard. Uh, and I thought somebody with Masa's kind of vision, and if you looked at what the vision fund is, is up to, this kind of fits in there uh, to some degree. And he was in the process of raising his fund, um, just, like a, just like any investor. He's, he has LPs. Uh, and he had targeted, I think, $100 billion. Um, that's now public knowledge. Um, and, uh, uh, and we hit it off. Um, we uh, we were very like-minded. We thought uh, in a lot of similar terms in what the future might look like and how this kind of fits into that. Um, but I think one of the problems is um, a dual role, kind of what I'm doing at Playground and essential is a dual role. I'm an investor on one side, yeah. and then I'm a CEO of a company that you know we invested in on the other side. Those, and I'm well aware of this, create conflicts. Um, and when Masa was uh, raising his fund, uh, he... Uh, he, he you know, had, had all sorts of people pitch him to be able to contribute to the fund. And when you raise $100 billion, you can imagine yeah. you know, the size of the pockets and the checks that these people are writing. Um, and during the course of our uh, uh, closing our round of financing, we actually signed documents, and we were all happy, uh, and we're moving forward with uh, a filing, a regulatory filing, to make it ratified. Uh, he took investment from an operating entity Uh, that uh, wasn't your typical venture LP. And at that point, we sensed that conflict, uh, that, in effect, Entity would have had a percentage of ownership of Essential, and neither one of us wanted that. Um, So we signed all the termination documents. how did you recover from that? Well, we we terminated the agreement. We shook hands. Uh, We're still friends. We hugged. There was a great Twitter post of me giving him a noogie. Um, And uh, uh, and then I just uh, went to other investors. Um, some of them are in the room, and uh, uh, I'm lucky to have uh, good support for people that want to support these crazy, big, audacious things.
0: All right. So you announced today Essential. announced. It, well, first of all, you announced Essential. I guess you had talked about it before, but you kind of really came out via a website. Um, and you talked about a phone, which is, I guess, just called phone or Essential phone. It's called phone uh and, although everybody will call it the essential phone, nobody calls the pixel the
1: pixel they call it the google pixel you know you can call it anything you want thanks
0: <laughs> uh and uh you also announced that coming a little later will be a home device mm-hmm. kind of a echo show competitor you're going to tell me it's not Maybe but not. Mm-hmm. it's a way for people to understand it and uh a kind of hardware, oh, and an OS, which I think might be the first new OS since, Android?
1: what, web OS? No, there's all sorts of new OSs all the no, time. No, consumer, Every day somebody's consumer selling. device OSs. You mean successful OS? That's a completely yeah. different story.
0: Well, the first successful one since Android, maybe, but uh, because uh, you know Windows Phone, which I think was good, it's was funny. not successful, uh, and... Um, WebOS, which I also think was good, was not successful. Mm -hmm. It's pretty audacious. So a phone, a home device, uh, uh, an OS called Ambient OS, and the intention to do more hardware devices based on this Ambient OS. Although the phone is Android. It is, yep. And then some kind of hardware and software interoperability with everything. So you need to explain this, but why don't we start by showing the product you're closest to shipping, which sure. is the phone. Okay, can, cool.
1: Can you show that to me? Yeah, man, let's uh, see if we can show this off a little bit. Um, so this is uh, this is the essential phone, and I'm just going to go and unlock it here so everybody can kind of get a shot of it uh, in the audience, and we're also uh, projecting it. And what you'll see is um, it has some unique uh, attributes to it. Obviously, the, the screen is pretty much as full of a screen as you can get. And what this is, is this is a 5.65 or 5.7 inch screen diagonal in a normal phone form factor. Normal meaning what? The kind that would have a 4.7 or something? Exactly. So, so when you lose this forehead and you minimize the chin, which is the direction the industry is going, obviously, um, you have more display and less wasted space. Right, so and it means the, that it's more comfortable to hold a big screen phone in your hand. And it's a phablet and a phone form factor. So you no longer have to make the choice, you know, do I want a phone or a or, Okay, or but a that's
0: what Samsung just did as well. That's right, the whole And the is. rumor is that's what Apple's going to do. Sure, and, so, and
1: LG did it with the G6. Yes. So this, is, uh, this isn't uh, uh, rocket science, it's technology evolution. Um, one of the things that we did here in this area up here, um, we put the... Uh, front-facing camera, which is an 8-megapixel camera. We put it behind the LCD, which is unusual because the device is relatively thin. It's kind of industry spec for its thickness. There's no camera bumps, so we had to design the optics and the the camera module specifically for this phone. There's a lot of custom uh, design stuff to make this happen. Um, uh, The phone itself is, uh, if we could zoom in here a little bit, it's kind of hard to see because we have a high-contrast background, but... um, this is, I believe, uh, the first cell phone that's made out of titanium. Um, and the reason we did this is you saw it uh, in the front when we have these kind of minimized borders. Um, if I were to mill the phone out of a block of aluminum, I would have to mill the unibody. Which is what the, unibody. what the Samsung and Apple phones that's are made the out industry, of. It. Most Everybody's industry done. does it. Yeah. Yep. Um, if I were to mill that so narrow to allow this kind of edge to edge display, it would bend in my pocket when I sit on it. right? Um, So titanium is very strong. It's very lightweight. So if you know how to handle that material, uh, you can achieve this. It's used in jet fighters. and. It's literally an aerospace uh, technology. Um, What about the back? The back is ceramic. Um, And the cool thing about ceramic, A, it looks completely different than anything you've ever seen. Uh, It's a mirror-like finish. And we also have a matte version. You'll see that uh, on essential.com's website. it's uh, RF transparent, ceramics are RF transparent. So I don't have to have those kind of band aid antenna lines uh, that you've seen populating these phones. Uh, it allows me to do a lot of cool stuff with my accessory bus and other things. And it feels really good to the touch. It feels like a, a, a different kind of material. It doesn't feel like glass. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like. You it's kind know, of like it's a gonna...
0: combination of metal and glass yeah. in a funny way, to my touch at least. Yeah. So. Uh, you mentioned the accessory bus. Yep. So far, I'm letting you do a commercial, but that's not going to last for long. I'm just showing you my device, dude. Uh, talk to me. This is the accessory bus, right? These two yep. pins? Yep. So you'll so see these, these
1: two pins here. Well, look, I, I mean, the story is, is, is pretty simple. I was actually traveling in Korea. Uh, this is way back uh, right when I left Google. Uh, and I was staying at a, at a nice hotel, and I had jet lag. And I woke up at 3 in the morning and I turned in bed, and on the nightstand next to me was like a Bose speaker system with a 30-pin iPod connector on it, right? And nobody has anything that actually plugs into that anymore. There are no... Well, if you have an an old iPhone or... Or an iPod, iPod, yes. Um, But somebody at Four Seasons made the buying decision that every room at this hotel should have one of these things, right? So... You know, it's not a huge aha, but connectors are dumb. Connectors of any kind are dumb. They should all go away. The industry needs to figure out how to make them go away. This is our kind of 1.0. Wait, but you have connector. a connector on the bottom. Of, course, of this course, we have a connector. Yeah, there's a USB, uh, there's a USB-C connector yeah, on the which bottom. Which is the of new the
0: yeah. trend in that.
1: So, so why? What's stopping us from making all connectors wireless? Your, your, you know, your earphones are wireless. Yeah. Your, you know, you can wirelessly charge. Right, So at what point can we just make everything wireless is the question. So building a device that has some of those ideas built into it, incorporating a normal port during this transition, including the wireless technology that's a success. Now you say one. this is wireless, but it looks physical. It looks like it's just two... Yep, those are alignment pins. Um, so when you mount an accessory on it, it's They're a magnetic, very, very... Yes, it's a magnetic accessory bus. Um, there's a very, very near-field 60 gigahertz RF chip embedded in there. And what that gives you is it gives you wireless USB 3.0. Oh, 3. so the 0. pins just hold the accessory there. But and the, they provide power. But the electronic connection is actually... Wireless. Wireless. Yep, It's, it, it's USB 3.0. So it's, it's, comp- it's 10 gigabits. But it doesn't have a Five gigabits port. have to... There's no ports. That's it's, right. That's right. But it's, it's oh, it, identical to this as far as the software is concerned. Okay. So what and that, the first accessory you have... Well, so, okay. so, right. so, so it's interesting, right? When... If you look at what some of the competitors are doing in the industry with their modular phones... Moto. Moto is an example. The Moto Mods is a great, uh, a, a great product. Um, those things clip on the entire phone, which means they kind of painted themselves in the corner where they can't design a different form factor phone and allow the consumer to take their accessories with them into the future. So one of the ideas here is to allow us to kind of... Being entirely wireless allows us to relatively future-proof what we do in the next phone design. We might decide to put it down here. We might decide to put it here. I can radically change the industrial design of the phone in the future, right? And have some notion of the consumer being able to take their investment that they made in accessories for this phone, you can make phone and move it to cylinder, the next door. Correct. Can... Correct. And, for example, the home device that we're going to talk about soon uses the same technology. Okay. So you could take a camera that you put on this and also put it on the home device, for example. Or you could take memory expansion that you... So it's almost on. like a hardware... API sort of thing, or it's a hook. It's USB.
0: Yeah.
1: That's all it is. It's USB, wireless USB. But expressed in a different way. Correct. It's a, it's a physical design. So what's your first accessory for it? So, um, you know, w- one of the things that I thought a lot about at Playground is we have investments in augmented reality. We have investments in, in virtual reality. And there's really no uh, user-generated content for virtual reality. There's, it's just starting to happen. You can buy these you know, 360 cameras. Samsung has a nice one. You, know, you have to charge them. They have their own battery. They you know, hook into your Wi-Fi network. Um, but you want to be able to like, take it to a concert, right? And the best way to do that is to mate it with your phone. Uh, so what we did, I'm going to pull out another device here. There's a white one as well. And this one, by the way, has the matte. Uh, the matte finish on it. So yes, so I can verify
0: so, that this is matte. Right.
1: Matte, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So maybe we can get the camera um, on that so you can see it's not not a reflective surface. So there's there's other designs, obviously. So um, what I'll do is I'll take out what I think um, I can. Uh, honestly, sorry, I didn't. I should wear those cargo pants or something that have all the pockets. <laughs> um, but. Uh, um, this, I think, is, is the world's smallest uh, high-quality 360-degree uh, camera. Uh, the great thing about mating this to the phone is the phone is your uplink, so this doesn't need Wi-Fi. The phone is your battery. It's providing power to the accessories. So I can really minimize what's in the accessory itself and make it in a form factor that users might want to bring to a concert or bring with them on their, on their daily life. And all you do is um, pop it on like that, Um, it powers up from the phone and, uh, and then all of a sudden you're taking 360 degree video. You don't have to install an app? No, installing the app. So it knows and communicates what it is. And if you don't have the app on your phone, it'll go grab it. Does it disable the internal camera? It does not disable the internal camera. You can have five cameras running in this phone if you want to. Um, this is a 4k after stitching. So I'm going to try to, uh, if you can kind of get the screen here. Um, with the camera there, there we go. So, you know, normal camera as I move the phone, but when was the last time you could do this, right, with your, with your phone camera? So, you know, there we are, uh, there I am, and there's my, my best friend, Walt, right there, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's selfie cam and all built into one camera, right? So it's 360 degrees, so it's, you know, the smallest thing you could imagine. And if you buy it with the phone, it's like 50 bucks because I don't need a battery. I don't need Wi-Fi, right? I just need like an image sensor Much and as the a USB phone. host. The phone is uh, on the website today for uh, $699. Okay. So it's a, and it's a fully spec' phone. It has you know Qualcomm's latest and greatest. It has uh, 128 gigs of memory. So it it's doesn't high have spec. any
0: craplets or bloatware on it?
1: Well, I mean, as, as none for me. And, <laughs> and I'm fighting every day. My job, I view, is... This is a very pro-consumer brand, right? So one of the reasons I started this company is because I would go into a store and I wasn't happy with any of the phones out there, especially Android phones, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I, I, iPhones don't tend to have carrier stuff on them or anything like that. They, they, there's but the, a lot of Apple But stuff the Galaxy there. S8... Yep. Not, uh, the Galaxy S8 has Android stuff. Mm-hmm. It has Samsung stuff, which is often duplicative of the Android carrier stuff. Carrier stuff. And then it has Google stuff. stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... it's and, and it changes from carrier to carrier. But you have Google stuff on there. We have, we have the same amount of Google stuff. Um, so that's you know, one of the areas. Because that's part of the deal that you helped design. But I was the architect of that deal, which I still think is a great deal. Um, yeah, okay. But, but anyway, the, the whole idea here is to create a brand that um, it's a new brand. It's not just phones. We're going to talk about the home device in, in a moment. Um, but you have a rare opportunity when the market is saturated. Right? In, in, the, in the day you and I talked about Android, um, you know, everybody was upgrading from feature phones to smartphones. So there was huge opportunity for these OEMs to ride that upgrade cycle. And Android rode that upgrade cycle as well. So it benefited you know, everybody, including the consumer. And that upgrade cycle was about every six months. Every six months, there would be some new technology out there. It would be a higher-res display. It would be a three-camera. You know, it would be a faster processor. Um, and it was really a, you know, a great time where the consumers saw the innovation that was happening. Um, fast forward to today, where everybody who wanted a smartphone has one, that upgrade cycle In the now, developed world. In, in the developed world, correct, which is infrastructure dependent a lot of times. Um, all the consumers you know, that, that want one now have one. The upgrade cycle is about every 24 months instead of every six months. Now, the innovation is still happening, but it's happening in these much more lumpy cycles they bundle all the innovation in the Galaxy S7 and then the Galaxy S8, right? And those happen every 24 months. Um, maybe there will be a speed bump, you know, in a year or something, or you get an S8 Plus or something. Um, so the idea here, with, especially with this accessory bus, is I can kind of continuously demonstrate this innovation, and I, can, I have a mechanism and a vehicle to basically bring that innovation to market outside of this 24 month phone upgrade cycle right so it's a much more powerful way to get technology and innovation into consumers hands quicker
0: okay so we have to get to the os in the home but i have to ask you a couple of questions about this first of all why are you doing a phone that runs android because you just said phones are kind of saturated you're obviously building a new os that isn't android you're, I'm sure you're still proud of Android. I think you just said you were proud of Android, but you were a little critical of Android in your blog post that was also a newspaper ad today. Go print, um, and you 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 said people have to fight Android devices, which I I don't remember seeing you say anything publicly that was critical of Android. You were and you used Android in that sentence. You didn't. You may have meant other things.
1: In general, I think people are oversaturated with technology. I wasn't specifically targeting Android. Well, you said Android in that sentence. I but. said, I said, I said, hey, I'm somewhat responsible for creating this problem. And this problem is overcomplication of technology. Okay, related. but that's an Android. I mean, if we if we
0: forget about the cool materials you made it out of, the beautiful screen, and they they shouldn't be forgotten about. But let's just for a minute put them to the side. The bus connector, which is I haven't seen before. Um, the, the thing people are going to be looking at all the time is it's stock Android, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. I think. I yep. mean, I haven't tested it, is, it, it is but stock it's stock Android. Android. Yep. So why did you build another Android phone, <laughs> even if it has some, some nicer hardware? Would you,
1: would you rather me write you know, my own UI and my own, you know, Well, app. you are writing an OS, right? So, so, so you're, what, you're conflating two things. You're conflating the home and the phone, right? And those are two different segments that I'm addressing. OK. What you have to recognize is the so it's phone, not going to
0: be an ambient OS phone
1: ever. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see a reason for there to be. OK. If there becomes a reason in the future, I'll be in a really good position <laughs> to, to address it. Um, but right now, I don't see that. Your phone is your main screen. Android's doing great. You know, yesterday, literally yesterday, um, I was driving on the road. I was at a stoplight. Stop there was a car behind me. Um, the uh, light turned green, but it was a green arrow. And I, you know, let off the brake and then put the brake back on, and I didn't go because it wasn't my turn. It was an arrow, and I was going straight. The person behind me literally was looking down at their phone, saw my brake lights go off, and accelerated. Hit me in the back of the car, trashed my car. Right, so the, the desire... Are you okay? I'm fine, my car's a little torque, but, yeah. but I'm fine. So the desire for you and me and everybody else who's driving to basically constantly interact right, with text messaging and everything else, it's overwhelming. And I think there's a, there's a degree of fatigue right now, consumer fatigue, where you kind of want out in, to a certain degree. So this whole company is here to basically present these experiences in these devices from your phone to your home, and someday maybe your yeah, automobile. But how does that
0: phone let me get out of that?
1: So That phone, just that phone, it, not the rest of your so phone. So it has a lot of technology and a lot of, uh, 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 if you think of an assistant and how you'd expect an assistant to run in your home, that same assistant runs on the phone. Okay. And we haven't talked about it or demonstrated. So now, it. oh, you haven't,
0: yeah, no. Yeah. So do you want to demonstrate it now? No, absolutely not. Okay, no.
1: Uh,
0: the next device is, is a home device, mm-hmm. which I, again, I'm gonna say is best understood today by our, our humble brains as a competitor to the Echo Show, which none of us has yet, but which we've all seen. So it's an Echo with a screen, and, or a Google Home as if it had a screen, or you know, I'm sure there'll be others from, maybe from Apple, maybe from somebody else. So it's one of those things that you have in your home that has some AI in it, whatever. What makes yours different? Sure. Well, look. Uh, it has a round screen. We should say that.
1: Yes, it looks. It's beautiful. It's one of the largest round LCDs ever built. Uh, it's a 5.6 inch round LCD. Um, look, I mean, one of the problems in the home is a UI problem. Right? There's too many things you have to interact with in your home. Um, take the example. Remember, I, 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 in the newspaper article, I said I feel somewhat responsible. One of the things that Android helped people do is make it really easy for people to write a mobile app, right? So, so the guy that's building your doorbell for your house, you know, your IoT doorbell, he's going to write a mobile app for it. The guy that built your lock, your deadbolt, your front door that's yeah, And an some IoT people lock,
0: have written kind of attempted ag- to aggregate but, that. But th- in fact, both Google and Apple are try- have a thing you, to try you, to aggregate
1: it. In certain ways, I think um, the industry has kind of recognized what the problem is, which is you don't want to launch somebody's app when you walk up to your front door to unlock it, where they have their own UI, probably their own login credentials, and everything else. And when you finally get through your front door, and it's time to turn on the lights, do the same thing again with the guy that builds your light bulbs. To balls.
0: be fair, on the, on the front door, it's typically Bluetooth. You don't have to open it.
1: I don't know, I mean, if you're on the inside, does that mean your door opens when no, somebody no. rings a doorbell? That's a good question. Right? And people have tried to work on that. Yeah, but anyway. So- um, So So, so you have this user, it's a user interface problem and a user interaction problem. So the home is going to take care of all that? So you have to kind of rise above all that, and you have to think of it as a UI problem, and you have to solve the UI for the home as an interoperability and integration issue, right? So you can't just support 10 devices, you have to support 100,000 devices, and I think we've found a but way. But those to do devices
0: that. run on all different. That's absolutely right. Operating systems they run on all. They're they all speak in, different some protocols. Some of them are in Apple's
1: ecosystem. Yep. Some of them are in Google's ecosystem. That's right. So you can think some of, of them this. Are in perfect. Samsung's ecosystem, but not perfect Google's. Perfect analogy. So you can think of this as everybody's creating an island by creating their own ecosystem, right? Everybody has a little bit of. MVP. Yeah, you were in that business. I, 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 I won that business to some yeah, degree. Right. I, so so building bridges, I think, is the best way to describe. What we're doing with the home. So device. So this home device is going to be able to talk to any phone. It has to. It has to talk to all any these ecosystems. Light bulbs. Whether it's door locks? Whether it's smart things or HomeKit or Google Home or or Thread or Weave or that Qualcomm it has, standards. Yes. Thread. Thread. Yeah. So so yes, it has to be the bridge to the islands, and we're doing it from an interoperability UI perspective, right? And we had to build a new operating system so it could speak all those protocols and it could do it securely and privately. All right? So a, a great example of it, obviously, is too many mobile app examples. Um, but how do you get a new device into your home? Right? I think speech, in general, is great. It's a great input metaphor. I can say, Alexa, order me you know, 100,000 baseballs. Mm-hmm. Right? I hope somebody broadcasts this, by the way. Um,
0: <laughs> um, this is a live stream
1: so <laughs> echoes across the
0: country, have just, world, have just gone off okay um, baseballs are shipping
1: right now from <laughs> <through> warehouses <so. laughs> they're flying through the warehouses um, the uh, uh, output is the thing that I don't think speech is perfect for right, if I say you know, give me directions to San Francisco it's going to read me 13 turns that I have to take before I've even started the engine of my car Right, so speech isn't always the best communication mechanism. Sometimes written word might be an okay I've output mechanism. Yeah. So, so I think a multimodal UI is pretty important here. So that's why we have a display that has a touchscreen that also supports your kind of standard speech assistance. So, in so, order so to let's
0: let's get this straight,
1: mm-hmm. you're going to support Alexa, you're going to support Google Assistant, you're going to support Siri. I'm going to offer to support all those, and it's really up to the companies that control those ecosystems if they want to What's work with me. What's your bet? My bet is um, my bet is we'll do a pretty good job on our own with our own assistant.
0: But you have your own assistant. I forgot. That's, that's, that's correct. Four, yep. and I haven't counted Bixby and, or Cortana.
1: Let's just let's just thank you for not counting those, by the way. <laughs> um, let's just let's let's kind of get to the. I don't think by buying my product that does this great user interface for your home people should have to switch their assistants. So this is the whole interoperability thing that I keep talking about. I don't want you to buy my product and be forced to use something when you used to be you know, a, a Google Home customer. I want to be inclusive and I want to interoperate with these things. Some companies are very good with that. Amazon is, is, is great. Jeff and uh, David Limp uh, have, have yeah. supported me from, from the beginning. Uh, we'll have our own assistant and then I'm in conversations with everybody else. So you should be able to Typically, Apple isn't crazy about me. letting
0: other people... Not you, personally. <laughs> I've actually never heard anybody at Apple say anything nasty about you, personally. That's good information. But, but the point is... No, I'm serious. But the point is, what I, what I meant was, you knew exactly what I meant. They're not crazy about letting people
1: have access to certain things on their, on their so, devices. So here's... here's, here's the, Although, they, 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 you go ahead. There's a trick, Walt. So all these people that have ecosystem envy and want to develop an ecosystem... Right, they have a thing. Let's say, let's call it smart things, as an example, which is Samsung's thing, and they run smart things in all their consumer products. But consumers don't want just Samsung stuff in their house. They want diversity. They want maybe an LG dishwasher. Yeah, because dishwasher. They,
0: they have a limited no tolerance way. for explosions. <laughs> I mean, there are studies.
1: <laughs> go, go, go forth. <laughs> um, so, you know, we have to interoperate. Consumers need choice, right? And the way you do that is all these people that have created the ecosystems, what have they done? They all create APIs. What are those APIs for? They're for the mobile app to plug into the smart things thing, yeah. right? I can plug into those APIs, okay. right? It takes a lot of engineering work to do that, but that's how we bridge but what analytics. if your former colleagues at Google... Aren't cra-
0: who are selling a, a, a home product, then maybe mm-hmm. we'll sell more, mm-hmm. aren't so crazy about you plugging into their assistant. What if Apple isn't crazy about you plugging in? Uh, then you're
1: not going to meet your goal of, I get to keep using the assistant I like. I'm going to try. I don't think, I, look, I mean, I think I have to kind of lead the way. Because, look, the premise is consumers don't want just a single company's product in their living room. So everybody that's pursuing that strategy is going to fail because they're not actually satisfying consumers' needs. right? I'm creating a solution that satisfies okay. consumers' needs. Right. If they don't want to do that, it's up to them.
0: How much is this going to cost, and when is it going to be
1: available? We don't, we don't have a price yet. There's a couple of things that we need to talk about, which is you know me, and you know how I like getting things out into people's hands. Um, the Ambient OS, as well as uh, this connector in the back, are going to be open sourced. So both the interface that's uh, uh, providing our wireless accessory bus and the Ambient OS, which is kind of running the UI for your home, are going to be an open source effort like Android. And we're going to do it like we did when we developed Android, which is we really focused on solving the consumer need, thought we had a pretty good 1.0, and then we open sourced it.
0: But then what happened was giant fragmentation. Uh, There was a Google version of Android that today, as we sit here, there's a Google version of Android, and in large parts of the world, there's a no, no Google version of Android, which is the open source thing, yep. which itself has forked and yep. multiplied. You're, you're
1: describing versions. all of Android's strengths in one short sentence. And, and,
0: but I would also say weaknesses, because people don't get upgrades. You've seen those pie charts. You, know, you knew them.
1: You probably studied them every day uh, or every week, whatever. Nobody, gets, How few nobody people, gets 100% upgrades. It's impossible. Apple's got like 80 or mm, something. 60 to 70. It's impossible to get to 100, so, I mean, Yeah, know. but that's a, wait a minute, that's a
0: false, you're, you're like, I mean, the number of, it's not you anymore, but the number of Android devices that are running the current version of Android is, I think, high single digits. I don't think it's any, it's not, we're talk, talking about 100, we're not even talking about 80 or 60, they're, they're not even at 50, they're not even at 30, I don't think, running the latest Keep version. Keep going down, let's see how low we can go. Well, we can go low, I'm you know. Uh, so, is that going to happen here? I think, I think we have a solution for that. With the ambient
1: OS? I, I, think we have a, I think we have a better plan. Okay, but you don't want to talk about it. Right? I don't want to talk about it. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a managed service on the back end. Okay. Uh,
0: I want to go to audience questions, but I have to ask you, do you have to have this phone to have the ambient computing in the home that, because you're going to build more... To hardware devices, yeah, let, am I let's, correct? Let's talk about some examples. Yeah, so you have to have the phone, no, or can you not have the phone? Can not have the and f- Just buy one of these other, either the home or some other device you well, want to bring up. This
1: is a pro consumer brand, right? We don't want to do anything that would force the consumer to buy multiple devices. We want to enable the consumer to interoperate with everything in their home. If they choose our phone, great. I think it's a very good phone. If they don't want the phone because they already have one, they can still have the home product.
0: Okay, and one. Uh, last, I have a million questions, but I'll ask you those sometime in a in a meeting. But what uh, you'll take a meeting with me if I'm retired? Won't a- absolutely. You? Yes. Um, and then I won't print it; I'll just know it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but our brains are the architecture. But our brains, brains yeah.
1: Um, how do you? This phone goes on sale when? Soon. It's you can reserve it now, and I wouldn't take reservations if it wasn't going to ship in. You know, thirty days or so.
0: Okay, thirty days. Uh, how are you going to crack the duopoly? I don't think I need to. Um,
1: you know, one of the things that I learned. I mean,
0: everybody else who's tried mm-hmm. has failed, and is if, if they've either stopped selling phones or they're in tiny, teeny market share niches.
1: I don't know. I think Samsung and Apple combined is like forty percent of the industry. That means there's a majority of the industry. What's that's the not percentage of the profits of the industry that Apple I, takes? I don't even care about <laughs> profits. I, I care about solving consumer problems. All right. So, so if, you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you think about... Um,
0: uh, no, but, okay, so
1: Samsung and Apple,
0: but iOS and Android. I mean, there's Android, which is most of the world. Not a hardware, thing. Like 80... Yeah. 5% or something. And Apple has, I don't know, 13 or something. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is, I don't know, Tizen or a few other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's essentially a duopoly. And the iPhone per se, I could be wrong about this, but I think it's still the single most
1: popular skew of phone. Yeah, you're, you're conflating platforms and I'm hardware. I'm doing
0: both. I'm, there's a platform duopoly and, and there and there's two
1: big Vendors of particular there's a 40% um, market share with, how are you going to break
0: so that's vendors. pretty I mean that's hard to break let, let
1: me tell you how I'm going to do it in, instead of being pedantic here um, So one of the things that we discovered being a small company We have access to innovation that companies at scale don't have access to so if you have to build 200 million of anything to make that 40% uh, uh, market share um, It's really really hard. You can't go to the university research lab that has some new material that's carbon nanotubes, and get them to print 200 million of those. They'll say, no, we can't do that. But a company like me, who's just starting out, they can supply that to me, and then I can ride up the supply chain as I scale as well. So being new and being, you know, starting from a clean slate gives me access to innovation that the people at scale don't need. So you don't care about scale? I want to get to scale, but I'll ride up the supply chain. You do want to me. get to scale? Of course,
0: it takes time. So this is not a niche phone for people who can afford it? And who-
1: well, this, is, this company is going for it, like the biggest way you could go for it. It's financed to go for it. It has a product roadmap beyond phones, yeah. right? So it, it has to be a swing for the fences
0: effort. So you're swinging for the fences. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, swing for the fences. Questions? I'll start, I'll start over here.
1: Hi. Wait. Only
0: because here? I can see you. But-
1: okay. You're pointing to me, Wait, right, Walt? Well, I just below. want to be clear. You are. Okay. Hi, yes, I am. Hi Walt. Uh, Josh Topolsky, the outline. couple questions. First, the phone is being funded by Playground or how is like, is it the orders that are funding it? Like what is that? What is the mechanism by which you're able to get the phone out into market financially? So it's, it's a typically venture backed company. Playground is one of the investors and we have all the investors are on the website, uh, but we've raised a substantial hundreds of of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars okay. that, that I can't talk about. So how many, how many phones do you need to sell, uh, to get that to like a product that's successful for you? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, the margin structures on these things are confidential. Um, but, um, our investors, uh, were confident that we could get to, uh, a very interesting business, uh, very quickly, okay, quicker second- than most. Second one, um, the home Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. you've got one question.
1: This is a good one, though. I think you're going to like this. Uh, you got one
0: question. You're going to really enjoy, All right. Really, oh, we awesome. have to move along. John. Uh, thanks, Walt. Um, Andy, I could uh, piss people off. I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> it never stopped you when you weren't retiring. That's yeah, what that's I love true. about you. <laughs> um, Andy, I think you just said you don't care about profits, which I, I don't think you literally mean. You, you want to solve consumer problems, but you also said you're patient about getting to scale. It makes me wonder... What makes you confident that this is a market that you can break into at this stage, not caring that much about profit and having to be patient about scale because so many have failed?
1: Yeah, I think, I, mean, I think profits come with success, right? So I don't need to monetize like the first device that comes out the door. And I think you guys understand the economies of scale and how economies of scale work. And it's one thing that actually the, the smartphone has given us is... Everything is, that's in a smartphone has gotten cheaper, whether it's a magnetometer, a GPS, a CPU, a display. The whole success of the smartphone industry has driven down prices of the componentry that are building these phones, right? And so keep
0: putting more expensive stuff in the phones.
1: I, I, I'm a participant in that ecosystem, and I'm fine uh, uh, winning the hearts and minds of consumers through interoperability, You know, not forcing people to take a bunch of stuff they don't want, not putting my brand all over the place, right? So winning the hearts and minds of consumers by building new innovative products is my number one goal. And then if I win, right, the profits will come. Uh, And Ina. Hey, Andy. uh, Nobody has really been successful, especially in the U.S., or particularly in the U.S., selling phones directly to consumers. Obviously, more and more people are buying it that way. Is that how Essential plans to sell it? And how do you, how do you crack that? Yeah, it's a good question. Distribution in general, I think, is, you know, an int- we're at a very interesting time where more and more stuff is going online, Amazon and, and whatnot. And I remember back in the day, um, some stats from um, companies that I've been involved with, about 30% of sales come from online and the rest come from carrier and retail channels and other other distribution channels. Um, So we're starting uh, with uh, with web, uh, and then we'll add other distribution channels, probably uh, we'll make some announcements very soon.
0: So you're not gonna only rely on web because I remember sitting in your office before the Nexus came out and you were very excited and you had a whole plan, you remember this, where it was all gonna be sold on the web. They were going to have one page. You'd pick your phone. The next page, the carriers would be lined up for your business. I think that was almost exactly what you said. That it was. was a
1: different company, Walt.
0: <laughs> was <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Uh, it didn't. It didn't work out that way, and it wasn't your fault. And I actually thought it was a good idea for what that ever that's worth. But um, this time you're going to start on the web, but you are going to have retail
1: points of presence. A- absolutely, both carriers and uh, other retail distribution. Yep.
0: But, but are you going to? But carriers. Okay, so one of the big moments, you know this very well in the history of phones, was that Jobs was able to get a carrier to car- carry his phone and have no influence over it, no branding on it, nothing. Is that gonna be the way you're gonna do it or are you gonna let the carriers put a bunch of crap on
1: here or whatever? <laughs> well, what do you think the answer to that? I'm gonna try I know as what hard I think the I answer can. is,
0: but I'm getting you on the
1: record I'm about it. I'm trying as hard as I can to have a pro-consumer product where you get to decide what's on your phone.
0: Okay. Uh, Dieter. Hey, Dieter Bone with The Verge. Uh, so you talked a little bit earlier about MotoMods, and this is far from the first time we've seen somebody try to marry mobile with uh, you know, a modular ecosystem. Uh, so besides just open sourcing it, what are you going to do to try and incentivize hardware makers and developers to actually make this stuff? Because we haven't really seen much
1: success in recent yep. years. Well, I think, well, first of all, the technology that's involved, I think we've kind of perfected. Um, so we're going to build literally a module of that, both on the transceiver side, so both sides. And we'll make those modules open and and available to the community. Um, And that becomes kind of the definition of the spec because there's a lot of embedded firmware in these things that make them communicate. And then I think I need to lead the way a little bit. So I'll build probably the first five or six accessories. Uh, One of the things that uh, I think if I read the comments of all the uh, uh, articles that have been written Including Dieter's? Yep. Because I know where you're going. One of the things I read is about dongles and headphone jacks and SD cards and all that stuff this solves that right so if, if I want you know an extra 120 gig of memory I take something that's about that big clip it on the back of the. what mic.
0: about a headphone jack
1: headphone jack as well and you know something the headphone jack might support you know MQA which is the master quality a- authenticated audio and you might actually have a much better experience
0: okay so that's great audio but I'm still paying extra for a headphone jack
1: yeah yeah okay <laughs>
0: I used to not have to pay extra for a headphone jack.
1: Yeah, but displays used to have big chins, and headphone jacks ram up against the display, and you'd never have the full display. So you defend Apple jack. for Absolutely. dropping it out? Yeah, it's called progress. Theater. All
0: right. I'm glad it's you and not Eli. <laughs> on that one. Over here. Hey, Pete
1: Passion with Mashable. Um, can you speak a little more about... Um, the sort of odd design choice of wrapping the top of the screen around the selfie camera, especially since you have sort of that lower lip yep. as yep. well? Yep. Uh, and also, like, did you, did you do any uh, have any market research um, that would indicate how consumers might respond to that? Yep. Um, I, I think um, I'm happy to hear from everybody who's, uh, who's in the audience and maybe has read some of these articles. Um, I call, when people put cameras down there, the Sharp Aquas was the first phone to do it. Uh, um, Uh, the Mix uh, was the second phone to do it. I call that nostril cam, because when I'm taking a selfie, it takes, like, literally a picture of my nose. Um, So people have to kind of turn it around, and then you're using a phone with the power button on the wrong side and the volume buttons on the wrong side, and I think that's a terrible user experience. Um, So what we did is we notched it out, and yes, it looks funny, but it's in a place where we know in Android the icons for the notifications grow inward, right, for both uh, the static ones and also the uh, dynamic ones. So you actually don't lose any real estate. The uh, display is uh, 19 by 10. So when you're watching a 16 by 9 video, it doesn't interfere with the video either, right? So it's kind of, even though it looks funny, it's actually pretty well thought out and architected to actually solve the, the selfie camera being in the wrong place if you weren't to do that.
0: All right, I think that was the last question.
1: So All right. how do we conclude this? Thank you very much. (laughs) Expect more from this company. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay.